Thank the Lord for his promises that are not dependent on the strength of our faith, but on the certainty of his promise. You can take your Bibles, turn along with me to Colossians 1.28. What is the church's mission? What should be our mission in life? What should be your mission in life? It's important to think about such questions, how we should answer these questions. And there are certainly many different ways we could answer these questions. What is the church's primary mission? To provide community? To provide a place to go on Sunday mornings? To provide a place to belong? To alleviate suffering in our community and throughout the world through good works? To gather weekly to hear sermons and sing songs as we've just done? These are all good things, but in and of themselves, they are not the central mission of the church. They are, in a sense, a means of accomplishing the central mission, but they are not themselves the mission. What should be our mission in life as individual Christians? Is our mission to find happiness? Is our mission to help others? Is our mission to make the world a better place? Is our mission to be financially independent? Is our mission in life to have as many new and exciting experiences as possible? Is our mission in life to to raise the next generation with good character? These are all good things, but in and of themselves, they should not make up the central mission of our lives. Well, as we'll see in our text this morning, it turns out that the central mission of the church is the same as the central mission of the Christian's life, and that is this, to proclaim Christ, to proclaim Christ, to speak with our words and our lives of the immeasurable glories of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's look together at Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. The Apostle Paul continues as he writes this letter to the Colossian believers. He says in Colossians 1, 28, We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so grateful for your word and your precious promises, your promises to hold us fast, that whatever comes in this world, Lord, your promises are true and they are bedrock and we can build our lives upon them. We thank you, Lord, for giving us direction and wisdom in this life, the life that you've given to us, the life that has been entrusted to us. 
You give us life and breath and all things, but you give it to us so that we might fulfill the purpose you have for us, and that is to declare your glory among the nations. To proclaim Jesus Christ with our lives, with our words. Lord, help us to check ourselves today and realign ourselves with what we're here for, what we're to be about. So teach us, Lord, according to your word. Admonish us and teach us that we might proclaim Christ more clearly in life, in word, and in deed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In these verses, verses 28 and 29, Paul describes the central activity of his life. These verses describe the Apostle Paul's personal mission and his constant activity. Paul's mission in life was to proclaim Jesus Christ. Now, this proclamation, to be sure, took many forms. It certainly included Paul's preaching ministry. And that's what we most often associate with this passage, preaching Christ. And of course, that was so central to his ministry as an apostle, was to declare publicly in a variety of settings the glories of Jesus Christ. But in no way was Paul's ministry of proclaiming Christ limited to preaching. Proclaiming Christ also included Paul's personal conversations with believers, helping them to see Christ's glory and grow in their love and commitment to him. It also included Paul's personal conversations with unbelievers as he relentlessly and winsomely pointed them to Christ for forgiveness of sins as the Messiah. Proclaiming Christ also included Paul's helping different groups of elders and deacons and members of various congregations to see Christ more fully, more clearly, more accurately, and to treasure him. Even on this particular occasion, Paul is proclaiming Christ by writing a letter. A letter to the Colossian believers encouraging them to rightly understand who Christ truly is and to give Christ the proper place of preeminence in their minds, in their hearts, and in their worship. Paul has, as you recall, in verses 15 through 20 of chapter 1 of Colossians, reminded these believers of Christ's incomparable identity as the Son of God, the creator of the world, and the creator of the church. I just want to remind ourselves, because it's really important to the context, I want to remind ourselves of what Paul has said here. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, as the Apostle Paul quotes from this ancient hymn that would have been very familiar to the believers at Colossae. They perhaps sung it. Perhaps they could finish Paul's words before he even said them. But he's reminding them of the truth of who Christ is. Verse 15 of chapter 1. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's also head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is the Christ that Paul proclaimed. The same Christ who Paul says in verse 27 the Christ who is in you, and the Christ who is himself the hope of glory. Proclaiming Christ then was Paul's very mission in life and his constant activity. Paul sought to use every opportunity to put before him and to point people to Jesus, whether it was preaching a sermon or having a private conversation or writing a letter to a group of people he's never met to proclaim Christ. So this morning, we're going to look at what it means to proclaim Christ and thus fulfill the mission both of the church and of the individual. We're going to see five specifics for what it means to proclaim Christ so that we as individual Christians and that we as a church can grow in following after Paul's Example of persistently proclaiming Christ. All right, the first specific for what it means to proclaim Christ is proclaiming Christ is the central task of the church. And I might add, of the Christian. Proclaiming Christ is the central task of the church and of the Christian. Paul says here in verse 28, we proclaim him. We proclaim Christ. Christ. The word Paul uses here for proclaiming is the, a word that simply means to announce publicly or to, to proclaim something far and wide. This was Paul's way of life. This was his mission. And this, as he saw it, was the mission of the church as well. Paul spent his life doing this. We can look back in the book of Acts that records the history of the early church and the history of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, largely in the second half of the book of Acts. And it records for us these words in Acts chapter 17 about the Apostle Paul's ministry of proclaiming Christ. Now, it says, when they had traveled through Amphiphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom... According to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, who I am proclaiming to you, is the Christ. This was Paul's custom. This was his habit. This was the regular way Paul operated. He would go and he would proclaim That Jesus is the Christ. We proclaim him. 
there's a lot of things that we could be proclaiming. There's a lot of things we could proclaim from this pulpit and from our lives. We could proclaim our political beliefs. We can proclaim our cultural outrage. We could proclaim our thoughts on the latest craze or the most recent headlines or whatever may be capturing the public interest at the moment. Or we could proclaim ourselves. That's a fun hobby. Proclaim our accomplishments. Proclaim our interests. Proclaim our victories. Proclaim our strengths. But none of these messages is worthy of our attention worthy of our lives or worthy of our proclamation as proclaiming Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now the Apostle Paul could proclaim a lot of things. He knew a lot of things. He'd seen a lot of things. The Apostle Paul was a genius. He had the best schooling. He had the most incredible conversion experience. He was able to do miracles as an apostle. I mean... He could have gone on and on and on about his knowledge, about himself, about his victories, about his uniqueness, about his role, about his position. But no, Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because there's no more worthy message than Christ. We proclaim him. We proclaim Christ Jesus. We proclaim not a philosophy, not an ideology, not a viewpoint, not a political persuasion, but a person. Jesus. We proclaim Christ. Christ Jesus, who was God in the flesh, dwelling among us. Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. We proclaim Christ, the eternal Son of God, born of a virgin whose name was Mary, born in Bethlehem, raised in a village of Nazareth. We proclaim Christ, who was baptized by John in the Jordan River, who was victoriously, who victoriously resisted the temptation by Satan in the wilderness. We proclaim Christ who throughout his life demonstrated the power of God by healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, causing the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. Jesus who cast out demons and even raised the dead. We proclaim Christ who lived a sinless life, a perfect life of complete righteousness, who never sinned in thought, word, or deed. And who always did what was pleasing to the Father. We proclaim Christ who in keeping with the eternal plan of God. Was determined 
to go to Jerusalem to be handed over to sinful men and be crucified as the substitute for sinners. We proclaim Jesus who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We proclaim Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life and the exclusive means of access to God the Father. We proclaim Jesus who now invites sinners to repentance and faith by saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give rest to your souls. We proclaim him who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. We proclaim Christ who died on the cross as a sacrifice for sin. We proclaim Christ who was buried and three days later rose from the grave and appeared to over 500 witnesses over a period of 40 days. We proclaim Christ who ascended to the right hand of the Father and who is now our high priest and advocate who daily makes intercession for us. We proclaim Jesus who has promised to return and to make all things new. We proclaim Christ before whom every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We proclaim Christ who even now indwells the believer through the Holy Spirit. We proclaim Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Christ. There is no greater message There is no greater man. There is no greater mission. We proclaim Christ. I want you to notice here in verse 28, Paul's use of universal comprehensive language in connection with proclaiming Christ. Look what he says. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Every man, every person, every human being. That's the goal. Teaching, admonishing, proclaiming. Notice who Paul's target audience is here. Talk about a target audience. Who should we be tailoring our message for? Who are the people we really need to reach? Answer, everyone. That's that's a big target. You can't miss. (laughs) Paul's target audience was everyone. Everyone he met. Everyone he saw. Even those he never met. Look down at chapter 2 and verse 1. Look what Paul says there. I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, another church, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. You've never met me. You don't know what I look like, he says to the Colossians and the Laodiceans. I'm I'm concerned for you. I struggle for you. I pray for you. I'm writing this letter for you. He wanted to reach them, though he'd never met them. He had a heart for them. He had a concern for them. And that concern motivated him to communicate with them. 
And what did he communicate? He proclaimed Christ. We preach Christ. We proclaim him to everyone, everywhere, all the time. That's our mission as Christians, as a church. We point people to Jesus. We give Jesus the credit for everything in our lives that's any good. We point people to Jesus. We encourage them to consider Jesus. We call them to remember Jesus, to look to Jesus, to wait for Jesus, to pray to Jesus, to depend on Jesus, to rest in Jesus, and to worship Jesus. We have one message, to proclaim Jesus Christ. Proclaiming Christ is the central task of the church, and it is the central mission of the believer. We proclaim Him. Whether it's preaching here from this pulpit, or teaching in a Sunday school class, or a small group setting, or being part of a life group, or counseling someone, or teaching a class of third and fourth graders, or listening to kids recite their verses, or participating in a discussion group after a lesson, or in individual conversations, the central task of this church is to proclaim Christ. Nothing else is worth proclaiming. Nothing else is nearly as interesting. Nothing else is nearly as powerful. For no other message can save us. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. For it is only the message and the truth of Christ in you that is the hope of glory. I have nothing else to say. I got no other hope to give you but Christ in you, the hope of glory. We preach Christ. Secondly, proclaiming Christ involves admonishing and teaching. So what does proclaiming Christ mean? Well, it means admonishing and teaching. Paul expands on this ministry of proclamation by making clear that proclamation includes admonishing and teaching. Whatever form our proclamation takes, whether it's preaching a sermon or engaging in a counseling meeting or just in private conversations as you seek to encourage fellow believers or engage with unbelievers, whatever form it takes, our proclamation of Christ will necessarily include admonishing and teaching. Admonishing and teaching are certainly related words, and they have some overlap, but they each have a distinct meaning. Admonishing, first of all, is the Greek word nutheteo. And I only share that with you in case that sounds familiar, if maybe you've heard of nuthetic counseling, which is just... Biblical counseling, looking to the Bible as the authoritative and sufficient source for finding solutions to our spiritual, emotional, and relational problems in life. Admonishing simply means correcting or warning. We need warnings. We need correction, don't we? 
I appreciate warnings. Warnings are helpful. We need warnings. We need correction. Our thinking is often mistaken. Our knowledge is often misinformed. Our motives are often misdirected. Our hopes are often misplaced. And our behavior is often misguided. We need correction. We need warnings. We need Christ proclaimed to us in all his glory from all the scriptures with all of its implications which has the effect of admonishing us, correcting us, and warning us that we're not living in light of the truth of who Christ truly is. But proclaiming Christ not only involves admonishing, correcting, warning, but it also includes teaching. While admonishing is the the negative side, if you will, of, of correcting and warning, teaching is the more positive side of instructing and parting the truth. Not just pointing out the wrong way, but pointing to the right way. Admonishing and teaching go hand in hand. Correcting and warning wrong thinking and behavior, then positively pointing to what is correct and true. And proclaiming Christ necessarily includes both kinds of communication. And this is precisely what the Word of God does for us as it points us to Jesus. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 about Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for What? For teaching, for reproof and correction, and for training in righteousness. There we have both the admonishing and the teaching ministries of Scripture. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And then Paul says a little bit later, the next chapter, 2 Timothy 4.2, he tells Timothy to preach the word... Be ready in season and out of season to reprove and rebuke and exhort with great patience and instruction. Admonishing and teaching go hand in hand. Now, lest you think that proclaiming Christ and the ministry of admonishing and teaching are just for us preachers. You say, yeah, Lance, you pay attention to that. You need that. Well, it's not just for preachers. Think again. Look with me at Colossians 3.16. Just go over one chapter. Paul says there, Let the word of Christ, God's word to us in the scriptures, which is here called the word of Christ, dwell within you richly. With all wisdom... What? Teaching and admonishing who? One another. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The admonition there, the instruction there, is that this is for all of us. This is is what our conversations are made of. Admonishing and instructing and teaching and pointing to and Referring to and reminding people of. 
Even in our songs, even in our singing. When we're singing, we're not singing to God exclusively. We're singing to one another. We're admonishing one another with the words, the lyrics of our songs. We're instructing one another of what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, and calling one another to think on these things. So proclaiming Christ entails admonishing and teaching. That means you're getting into the nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty of who Jesus is and where our lives are falling short of living consistently with that. Reminding one, one another of what's true about who Jesus is and what His promises are and how we can build our lives on them. Admonishing and teaching. All right, thirdly, Proclaiming Christ demands great wisdom. Fulfilling this mission of proclaiming Christ through admonishing and teaching demands great wisdom. Paul's proclamation, which involved admonishing and teaching every person, demanded great wisdom. Notice he says, with all wisdom. Proclaiming Christ requires great wisdom. It takes wisdom to know when we should speak and for how long. Pray for my wisdom. It'll be to your benefit. It takes wisdom to know when to speak and when to listen. When to admonish and when to instruct. It takes wisdom, great wisdom, to be able to recognize, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, to recognize those who are unruly so that you can admonish them, or those who are faint-hearted so that you can encourage them, or those who are weak so that you can help them. And as he concludes there, it takes great wisdom, certainly, to be patient with everyone. <laughs> Proclaiming Christ takes great wisdom to know your audience, to understand the times we're living in, to know what questions to ask, wisdom to listen carefully to what is being said and what is not being said. Proverbs remind us that it takes great wisdom and skill to minister effectively to others. Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says, A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. It takes great wisdom to proclaim Christ and admonish and teach with effectiveness. The task of proclaiming Christ, whether from a pulpit or a lectern, in a public setting like this, or in a private conversation, requires great wisdom. A wisdom that is frankly beyond us. I don't have that much wisdom. I don't possess it. I need a wisdom that's outside myself. I need a wisdom that is not mere human wisdom, but divine wisdom. Wisdom that is from above. And God, 
thankfully welcomes us to come to him and ask for just such wisdom. Wisdom from him. Wisdom from above. And he promises to grant it to us when we request it. James chapter 1 verse 5. If anything is likely to humble you, it is the task of seeking and wanting and desiring to proclaim Christ faithfully. We bear this precious message, which if mishandled could be misunderstood. But God, thankfully, grants us the wisdom we need. Christ is such a worthy subject of our proclamation, and our attempts at proclamation are often so muddled and faltering. But I'm grateful that the Lord, despite our weaknesses, is still able to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. But humility is the right place to be. For in humility we see our great need for help. And so we run to the source, the fount of all wisdom, and ask for help. Which reminds me of that great Anglican prayer, so simple, so good. Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. Proclaiming Christ demands great wisdom. A wisdom that is beyond us. But a wisdom that God offers to us when we're dependent on Him for it. Fourthly, proclaiming Christ has Christ-likeness as its goal. Paul proclaims Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. Here is the purpose of the proclamation. This is the output. This is the product. This is the goal. To see people come to Christ and to see people grow in Christ. To present every man goes back to what Paul said earlier in verse 22. Notice what he says. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly blood through death in order to present you, present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. It is our standing before Christ both now and in the day of Christ's return. Paul's goal was that every person he came into contact with would be presented as mature in Christ on the day of judgment. Now we know that this maturity, this Christ-likeness, is something that we grow in as Christians now. And it's something that will one day be made complete and perfect at the time of Jesus' second coming. This Christian maturity, which is the goal, is Christ-likeness, to be like Christ. Paul describes it in Ephesians 4.13 as being a mature person to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's our goal as Christians. That's our goal as a church, to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. 
Christ-likeness is the goal. It's the goal we should have for ourselves. It's the goal we should have for one another. Christ-likeness, then, is the purpose of our proclamation. We proclaim Christ that we might present others as Christ-like. And so our preaching, our teaching, our counseling, our singing, our conversations, all are to contribute to the singular goal that others may know Christ and grow in Christ. That's the goal. And that brings us to the final aspect of proclaiming Christ. And that is this. It's hard work. That requires effort and energy, but can't be done without Christ's strength. Look with me at verse 29. For this purpose, the purpose of presenting every man complete in Christ, which is accomplished through admonishing and teaching with all wisdom, which has as its focus the proclamation of Christ himself. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. To present every man Christ-like is the purpose for which he labors and strives. To labor here, it, it means to work to the point of exhaustion. This isn't half-hearted effort. This isn't playing around at it. This is giving all of your energy and all of your effort to the goal of presenting every person complete in Christ through the proclamation of Christ. To labor to the point of exhaustion. Striving. It's a Greek word from which we get our English word agonize agonizing over it. Paul worked hard with sweat and tears for the sake of others. Proclaiming Christ is hard work. But it's the hardest work you'll ever love. Proclaiming Christ has an emotional and physical and spiritual and mental cost to it, to be sure. Reminds me here of what Bruce Thielman said of preaching. And the hard work of preaching and laboring and striving to get it right, to proclaim Christ as He deserves. Who's sufficient for these things? No one. Listen to what he said about preaching. He says, The pulpit calls those anointed to it as the sea calls its sailors. I like that. And like the sea, it batters and bruises and does not rest. To preach, to really preach, is to die naked a little at a time and to know each time you do it that you must do it again. Sunday comes every seven days, last I checked. And to preach the same message week after week after week And not be moved to the right or to the left. Not be sidetracked with this sparkly item or that interesting subject. But to proclaim Christ. 
in a way that is deserving of Him? Is the great calling and the great challenge of preaching. Preaching is hard work. But so is teaching. And so is counseling. And so is evangelizing your neighbor, your coworker, your family member. And so is discipling. But there is no greater cause for which to spend your efforts and energy than proclaiming Christ. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. I'm laying it all out there. I'm leaving nothing on the field. I'm giving it my all. Because Christ is worthy. As demanding as it is to proclaim Christ, thankfully it does not require merely an inner strength that we have to somehow gin up on our own. Paul's striving, his agonizing, his laboring to the point of exhaustion, he says at the end of verse 29, is according to his power which mightily works within me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Where God guides, He provides. Where God leads, He precedes. God goes before us, He leads us, and He empowers us in this task of proclaiming Christ. He provides the energy, the strength, the wisdom, and the very words in the moment. That's his promise. I'm so thankful that the task of proclamation isn't totally up to me. It's Christ empowering me to serve him, to labor and strive on his behalf. And the same power with which Christ created all that is in verse 15 is the same power that is mightily at work in me. The same Christ who is in me, providing the wisdom and strength I need to proclaim his message with all wisdom, is the same Christ who is working in the lives of those who hear the proclamation, those you talk to in private conversation, those you lead in Bible study, or those you lead in an evangelistic outreach. The same Christ who's empowering you is also opening their blind eyes. Causing their hearts and eyes and minds to see things that they'd never seen before. To see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Beloved, we proclaim Him. We proclaim Christ There is no greater message. There is no greater mission for the church, for the pulpit, and for each and every individual person. We proclaim Christ. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, you are worthy of our lives. There's no greater mission. There's no greater message because there's no greater man than you, the God-man. Jesus Christ, help us to see who you truly are. And having seen this glorious vision of the true identity of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, help us to see the profound implications of that for our lives. That we'll not waste our lives proclaiming ourselves, proclaiming our positions, proclaiming our politics. We proclaim a person. You, Lord Jesus, help us to stay on mission. Help us to stay on target. We might present every man complete in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.